Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Aaron Torshaw, I'm your host, Aaron Frail. If my voice sounds different, it's because I got this brand new, uh, very spiffy podcasting microphone. So it's probably going to pick up everything. Guessing it's going to pick up my cat, the heater, maybe even my soda pop bubbles. I'm drinking a root beer at the moment, so perhaps you're hearing that. Anyways, uh, we're on part seven, called Hayden's Dilemma of the Touristicu series. I also have some very good news for those of you that have already read ahead and have read the first book, uh, Cal's Fate, and the second book, uh, Cal's Quandary. The third book, titled Cal's Duty, which is... Not the end of the series, but the end of this particular set of stories. Uh, so I, uh, you know, leave it open for more, you know, within the series, whether or not it's going to be Cal and her crew, or I'm going to move on to, you know, other people kind of in this world. I don't know. You know, I haven't decided really how the the books can go from here, but the third book definitely puts a lot of the stuff I set in motion from the first story. So, you know, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, it, it comes to a nice conclusion, but it's still open at the end. So you'll see. But anyways, the new book is going to be out February 14th. I decided on February 14th because I know there's a lot of people that just not a big fan of romance novels. <laughs> so I wanted a book for all of those folks out there that, uh, you know, want to read something on Valentine's Day, but they don't want to read a romance novel. So how about a book about the entire fate of the galaxy hinging on the decision of one space pirate captain named Cal? So yeah, it is the, the 
culmination of everything that I'm setting up in these books here. It is every mystery answered with a few more mysteries that I kind of put in uh, that will be answered in further stories, but no, more more is sort of a foreshadowing. It's there, so when I want to unpack it later, <laughs> I could go ahead and do that. But I, you know, once again, I haven't decided on that. I this this is sort of what I was going for. So this three book series. So yeah, so uh, yeah, Cal's uh, quandary. I'm gonna go ahead or Cal's uh, duty. I'm gonna go ahead and just start reading it here on this podcast uh, for you. But that's not gonna be for a long while because we still have to get through pretty much the entire book of Cal's quandary before we get to Cal's duty. So if you are really if you really like what I do on the show and you really enjoy the stories that I read, and you enjoy just having my podcast around, I would really appreciate, actually, if you buy a copy on release week. So anywhere from uh, February 14th to February 21st, that's when you go to Amazon and get a copy. Uh, you know, if you're not a digital book person, there'll be paperbacks and hardbacks. Uh, or, you know, if that's too expensive, I know they're kind of expensive because, you know, they're self-published. So they they price them at a much higher price point, you know, because publishers, they could print thousands of books at the same time. Whereas me, they, they print one every time someone orders one, basically. So that raises the cost of the book, uh, which is why they're going to be so expensive. Uh but, you know, the digital copy will be very affordable. So even if you don't read digital copies, all you need to do is enter in the email address of a friend of yours that enjoys digital books and buy it for them as a gift. But if you can buy it during that opening week, uh, February 14th, that actually gives me the most support possible because that's when Amazon's little robots are saying, how popular is this book? <laughs> and uh, in that first week, if you could make it as popular as you possibly can, you actually have a good chance that other people who don't know you at all get recommended the book when they're searching for books that are similar. So, you know, when they're they're given uh, the choice to see what kind of sci-fi books uh, are out there, uh, mine will show up the more people that purchase it during that open week. So what I really would appreciate is that if you want to, you know, support me monetarily, this is the time to do it. Get it on Amazon, get it February 14th or thereafter. Uh, and it's called Cal's Duty. You probably won't find it by just searching for Cal's Duty. So you probably have to search for Cal's Duty, Aaron Frail to find it. But I'll also make sure uh, Aaron gets the link uh, when it gets on Amazon so he can put it in the show notes, uh, you know, uh, and I'll maybe do some reminders in, in furthers. But yeah, if you are enjoying the series or you just enjoy me in general and want to, you know, support me monetarily. And by the way, guys, I'm not getting rich off this. Uh, I'm, I'm actually do not make I, I make enough money to pay for a cover artist who did a badass job, uh, an editor who also did a badass job, and then a very shoestring advertising budget. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> Any money I make goes right back into the writing. Uh, I, 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 you know, I would say that if I did 
take the money for myself. Maybe I could pay my electric bill every so often. <laughs> and I mean every so often. That's how much money. I'm, I'm not getting rich, guys. But I would love to, you know, podcast full time, uh, do writing full time, write. I have so much more story ideas than I even have time to write, uh, you know. And so, you know, I would appreciate the boost on that week. So, yeah, February 14th, mark your calendar. I'll go ahead and do a couple more reminders. Uh, I don't know exactly when these shows get released to when I record it, but I do know that there is some sort of a schedule so you should know about the book but i'll just keep reminding you know about about it uh as we go on so anyways without further ado let's go ahead and start hayden's dilemma uh so this starts off in part seven and i'll just go ahead and jump right into it the grenth menlor held cal upside down while its pincher squeezed her thigh the creature was a three meter tall cross between a centipede and praying mantis with two hollow sockets for eyes. Even though her leg could be severed from her body, she had the weird thought that she was finally getting used to Earth-centric way of the galaxy. Since humans were one of the most prolific species, their language and worldview had spread throughout the stars. Rather than say, the bug about to kill her was a cross between a dorfadink and a chert bug from her homeworld, she used two Earth insects to make the distinction. Leaving her hands free was a mistake. She had a blade stashed away that could slice the limb holding her up, but she didn't have anywhere to go once she was free. They were on a landing platform on a desert planet far from civilization. If she ran, she would have desolate mountains and the abandoned Turisticu outposts. Her shuttle was close by, but the unconscious Granork beside it told her that it probably wasn't a choice either. Her only real option was negotiation at least until she heard from Maker. Give me the captain's code to your ship, the Grantamendlord demanded and shook her violently, or my mate will be forced to kill everyone aboard. There are a couple problems with that statement, Cal said. First, Brainship, remember? I can no more relinquish control than give it to you. Then I will dig this chip from your skull. Okay, fair enough, but you forget the other problem. Cal was interrupted by the sound of her shuttle taking off. At least that explained why Granork was unconscious near the ship. This was supposed to be a simple meet in an abandoned building to transfer stolen goods to a fence she had worked with many times. Aside from the giant bug that had chased her halfway to the shuttle, she knew something was wrong when she spotted an intense Turisticu fleet in the area. Since it seemed like the fleet hadn't noticed them, they decided to go ahead with the transaction. Seconds before the bug had burst from the shadows in the abandoned building, while she waited for the fence who had remained mysteriously absent, Maker had informed her of the fleet's shift in course. No doubt the attempted shipjacking by the bug had given the Turisticu fleet enough time to set up a blockade around the planet. The Granth Menlor laughed. My mate seems to have no trouble flying your shuttle. It's old tech from a Cytronite we have on board. No matter. When she docks with your vessel, she will tear through the soft, meaty flesh of your crew. I'm pretty sure your Turisticu friends want us alive and the ship unharmed. Turisticu? The Granther Menlor seemed confused. I am only here for the betterment of my clan. Cal realized the bug wasn't part of the trap, 
but an opportunist looking for some easy prey. It was too much of a coincidence to think this creature happened to be on this planet at the same time as her. She would have to chat with who she thought was a trusted fence, if a merchant who dealt in stolen goods could be considered trusted, that is. In the meantime, it looked like she and the oversized segmented exoskeleton killing machine had one thing in common. The enemy of her enemy meant that they should be friends or at least not want to end up in the Touristic prison together. Before you dismember me, Cal said, I'm pretty sure your mate should turn that shuttle around and land. <laughs> so you could attempt to escape, the bug scoffed. I'm pretty sure there's a Touristic blockade around this planet. You are telling lies. An energy beam, the width of a small frigate, tore open the sky and incinerated the shuttle. The burning hunks of metal rained down on the platform below. The bug cried out and dropped Cal to the ground. Cal dusted her off and shrugged. My mate! The creature cried out. I tried to warn you. It seems now we have a mutual problem. How about you help me out? Maybe you can get some revenge for your lover? I'm or not for the loss of my mate, the Grantham Menlor coiled in a strike pose. Right, well, maybe I'll just leave you to it and uh, go check on my crewmate over there. I have 37 other mates who demand blood for the death of their sister. A door opened on one of the abandoned hangars from the landing platform. Creatures much larger than the one near Cal were coiled in attack pose. The software from her ship confirmed that 37 new threats from the display that hooked into her visual cortex. Well, 37 mates. Uh, well, 38 if you count the recently deceased. I gotta hand it to you, Cal said as she backed away. That's quite an accomplishment. I don't even have one. I mean, there was this guy that was more of a girlish fling, but I don't want to be tied down, but to each his own. The Grantham Endler roared, and his family flooded from the hangar with surprising speed. It seemed the females of his species were endowed with all the physical prowess. Cal turned to the Grand Orc and ran. Her crewmate had just woken and was rubbing his head as he saw the skittering swarm on the heels of Cal. Run! Cal ordered. Well... She was sure the Orkandu could take them one-on-one -on -one in a fight. Hand-to-hand -hand with a horde was a different story altogether. As luck would have it, the Touristic fleet finally decided to bombard the area with plasma bombs. Fireballs rained down from the sky and blew holes in the landing platform. Some of the mates were incinerated on impact, while the others were engulfed in an inferno or shredded by the shrapnel. Grand Orc and Cal were nearly blown away themselves and had to make a course correction when a bomb landed in front of them. They wove through the destruction until they made it to a hill on the outskirts of the base. As luck would have it, they saw an entrance to a cave system. Cal had remembered seeing mining equipment while she was waiting for her fence to show. They were lucky this was an abandoned mine. Just before they reached the entrance to the cave, she turned to take a look at the outpost. The entire place was engulfed in flames. There were no signs of the bugs. The enemy of her enemy turned out to be useful enough to solve one problem. However, she'd rather have a bug army to deal with than a touristic fleet, with more undoubtedly on the way. She considered sending a message to Maker before the depths of the cave cut off her communications with the ship. However, even an encrypted signal would alert the fleet overhead that someone was still alive on this abandoned rock. It was better to let Maker sort it out. Her quad helix friend wouldn't 
rest until he found her corpse. She watched the destruction for a few more moments before she turned into the blackness of the cave beyond. All right. So that was uh, the first part of Hayden's Dilemma. Come back next time for some more movie reviews and, and some more uh, touristic you. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.